the way I look at Stoicism as a philosophy is like your direct actions, can they affect the situation? And what part of the situation can you not affect? Once you can separate that, like you can't control everything, I think that makes making decisions much better. Hi, I am Sophie Vaux, and this is the Rise and Play podcast. In the show, I sit down with influential thought leaders of the gaming industry to deconstruct how they create the best team and company cultures in order to create the best games. Every episode brings actionable insight to improve your leadership, self-awareness, and emotional management skills. Because becoming a better leader starts with becoming a better human. So, Are you ready to unlock your full potential in life and business? Let's begin. Don't just see the future, know the future with today's sponsor, Sourceten. I've talked before about how Sourceten is a necessary tool to compete in gaming these days. In short, Sourceten empowers studios to build human-centric experiences by unlocking deep, psychological understanding of your most valuable audiences. At a time when we needed to know what our players would respond to, My team and I use Solsten and the product Navigator to identify key psychological insights across our audience for Plantopia. This prompted us to reshape our F2A, for example, promoting a stronger sense of productivity earlier on in the game. And this aligned with our audience's desire for empowerment and accomplishment, resulting in higher F2A completion rates and longer sessions. Solsten Player Intelligence Platform enables you to unlock the full potential of their games and minimize risk across every stage of the development cycle. Visit go.sourcen.io that you can find in the show notes for a demo. Mention Rise and Play and receive a free feature, theme and art style study included with your Navigator purchase, a $20,000 value. Learn why EA, Supercell, Wooga and more use Solsten to create the best human-centric gaming experiences possible. Hi, welcome everyone to a new episode of Rise and Play. And here we have a new face. So we are also in this segment with more videos after we started to make content with Mishka and we saw, well, actually it's working. YouTube people do enjoy to see some of our faces. So then we continue with Arseni Lebedev today has been known in some way also in the constructor of a channel, also a good friend and industry peer to Mishka. So it's really funny how we circle uh, of people who know each other and end up talking to me. And for the context today, we wanted to follow up on Stoicism. In March, when we were in Istanbul, we recorded with Mishka an episode in the hotel ballroom about Stoicism. And it was really approaching the topic, first step, on what can we learn from Stoicism and how do we apply it in business and the way we handle ourselves. So the focus of the episode was a lot on emotional management or how even what to do with this. And we started this conversation and then from a conversation to another, we talked with Arseni and here we are today. But before we start, Arseni, I'd like to hear your part of the story. So who are you coming to the podcast today? And yeah, why are you here? I've been always a founder. I think I've only had like a job for like a year and a half. I've always been in business. And I mean, I started in 2010. I had an outsourcing company where we worked on a lot of mobile games. I exited. I mean, we sold the company to a big enterprise business where I you know, lasted a year and a half uh, with Machine Zone for also like three, four years. And then I was able to co-found Original Games in 2019, where we were able to 
raise a seed round to grow our really fun merge game. But like, aside, I think that I've learned how to keep my mind at ease and calm. And it's because I started looking at different philosophy and this one kind of helps, like it clicked with me. So I want to kind of talk about it and we have some examples. Yes. So for a context today, I think also because with the podcast, what we really want to offer here is not just the theory, but that's why we are talking today as also executives in games and how we have applied it in practice. So while the previous episode was more focusing on more the philosophy or the principle behind managing yourself, of course, it's much harder in practice. And going back as well to ancient philosophy and where it comes from, to then go back to how are we applying to decision-making. So let's focus today on decision-making and for the context. Indeed, it's really hard to do decision-making, but I think here, when you are in a position of leading a company or managing a team, a studio, a business, you have many decisions that come to you every day, not only the decision of business, but decision of life. What am I wearing today? At what time do I wake up? What do I eat? When do I eat? You know, I think it was like 10,000 decisions a day. And that's what happens to the brain. So why does it matter? Is the quality of decision as a leader, you can make the number of them and the quality of them. And therefore, how do you manage to make those decisions? And I'm really curious as well about your own journey as an entrepreneur personally to get interested in philosophy and applying it. And how did you start from where? Ancient philosophy. I think we have to preface this that, I mean, I am not an expert. I just, I, I wanted answers and like some things don't have clear answers. In this world, where you get answers to not clear things? Well, like religion is a popular response and I'm not religious. It's very difficult for me to swallow. So I thought, okay, well, what, what happened before there was like a monotheistic religion that took over, you know, we basically have these major religions uh, mm -hmm. now. And it's like, what happened before? What hasn't been tainted by those ideas? I like Buddhism as well, like ancient Buddhism, but like stoicism is just so, you know, it's so old. It just kind of stuck with me. But so I started looking at this in college. I took a philosophy class. Wow, really young. <laughs> Reading these ancient philosophies, like it's very difficult to read some of these books. And I think the number one Stoic book is Meditations. And there's like a 10-year-old translation that's like normal language. <laughs> <laughs> even, even a dummy like me can read it. And Meditations, I think it's like this emperor, like it's a diary basically. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of pointers on like, I made this decision because of this. If I have this power, how can I go through this? The way I look at stoicism as a philosophy is like your direct actions, can they affect the situation? And what part of the situation or what part of the environment can you not affect? So no matter what you do, something will happen. Once you can separate that, like you can't control everything. I think that makes making decisions much better. Because you remove all this like extra what ifs, you get that clarity about for this, I know about this, I don't know about my actions will not be able to affect that. And that's why emotion is so important. Emotion is a great signal, but it's, it's difficult to control your emotions. And I can't rely that I'll be controlling them. <laughs> now, people that work with me, they know that hundred percent, but the method to my madness is I don't get lost in the stress of these messy problems that need specific step-by-step -step answers. And I think general stoic approach is, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but there's some things that you have clarity on that you do know. 
I like to approach this conversation as well more like exactly what is the lens you use to look at it. And then we can go also more in concrete. It's interesting, the point about religion has been in history for civilization, countries, nations, a way to, yeah, guiding principles or to make decisions or live life, how to live life. And it's interesting going back to this where you try to find your own compass of decision making. And what have you done from the college years until now to nurturing your ways of thinking and approaching things? Because I guess it's not just reading books and sitting there thinking about it. <laughs> a lot of philosophies, thinking. That's what's good as well. Okay, here's the thinking piece, and then here's what happened in practice. I think if you read Seneca, there's a description of these kind of disciplines. These are traits that are worth observing. Stoicism has four disciplines. The discipline of justice, bravery, temperance, and wisdom. What is a just business decision? I mean, to me, that means, is this ethical? Is what we're doing ethical? And then ethical is super subjective. Mm -hmm. For me, justice is about honesty. A trust is the foundation of any team or any teamwork, right? So if you don't have trust, it's not going to work. So I always think about the honesty of a decision. I'd like to take some time on each point. And this is here the point of the, not debate necessarily, but conversation. You say honesty, honesty to others or honesty to yourself? It means don't be deceptive. So if I'm not telling you something, that doesn't mean I'm dishonest. I'm just not saying something. And in business, that's important. But openly swaying a transaction a certain way and then knowingly do the opposite of what you're saying, whether that's in a team or with a third party, that's what I'm talking about is honesty. Mm. Could we say integrity as well? So that your actions are following your words? Yes. If I'm openly telling you that I'm dishonest, I feel like I'm being honest. <laughs> If I'm openly telling you about my weaknesses, that's honesty. Mm. I think here there's just one nuance to it because the reality is we can be honest, but sometimes not everything needs to be said. And it's not because you are not revealing any information that you are dishonest. What is relevant or helpful for the other to know? Yes. Because sometimes it might not be helpful, but you have been honest, you know, or you can say direct, blunt or whatever. <laughs> exactly. So... I'm hearing rumors that you suffer some bluntness, as do I. <laughs> yeah, by myself being blunt. But imagine that bluntness, while it may cause a negative emotion, it's not preventing some kind of action. And I think that's what this is talking about. Being just, not necessarily being nice. Yes. I understand from this or the definition you're giving to it, it's not necessarily fair, because fair has a judgment. Revealing the truth or whatever truth is to you or what's going on. But yeah, that doesn't remove the negative consequences of doing this. A lot of this is like that gray area that you're trying mm. to fill. And yes. I'm always comfortable making a just decision. And like you said, it might not be fair, but it's just. The next one is bravery. And I mean, like, again, like the first time you read this, you're like, what the hell is this talking about? It means you're open to conflict. Brave people are okay with conflict. So Conflict is also part of a successful and optimal team. You have to have conflict with each other. You know, you sometimes have to have conflict with your partners. And what this is saying is you have to be open to that. And I mean, I, it's very difficult to argue with that. One word very resonated with me through bravery, just wanted to hear your thoughts. It's courage. We talk more often about it as well in business, but the courage to say things, because a lot of time we may accommodate, please, do not displease. 
yeah, the courage to show up, make hard decisions. So courage, bravery, I don't know if it's under the same yeah. <laughs> umbrella, so. but that's what resonates with me when I read bravery. But it's not often that we think about courageous or brave decisions in business. If you would read that in a press release, you would just dismiss that. I think this is saying something else. This is saying that if you make this decision, if you go this way, if this is the action that you choose, is it a brave action or is it weak in the sense that it's idle? It is important. Conflict is important. Mm -hmm. The other one is wisdom. To use your gut when you don't know what else to do. What if you don't have experience in this? You have to acknowledge that. If you don't have the wisdom, how can you be sure that your action is going to have the effect that you're predicting or thinking about? Mm -hmm. But isn't this then in wisdom understanding the long-term impact of today's decision, right? You may not rely on your past experience, but then you have thought at least for some time on what are the different avenues and what could go. So you have evaluated different routes of your decision and the impact of your decision. And sometimes you not do anything as well. That's wisdom until you have clarity. Yes, exactly. So wisdom is part of thinking about what is your sense mm. is important. I mean, there was a time when I was thinking I should never rely on my sense because I just don't have... I don't have mm. enough sense. <laughs> I mean, I'm like almost 40 now and I feel like I still feel like that way. I mean, I was actually thinking about this. Like my general demeanor is I'm the dumbest person in the room and that's like changing a little bit. And that's weird. You're talking to people and you're hearing what they're saying and you're like, I know that's a mistake. I know that's misleading. I know that's whatever. And that's cool that I can start relying on that now. And I'm very happy about that instead of second guessing. Mm. Just a word about instinct. It's not always conscious to us, but it's a subconscious process of all the learnings and all the things we have taken for ourselves, like our wisdom, if you want to call it that way, that is the result of a slower part of the brain that is making really like fast computing and so on. And so the instinct is more the result of what we feel, but what's happening in the background of a brain is much more complex and there's a value, benefit of what we feel we cannot explain it. It's just the end result that we feel, but we don't fully understand the reasoning, but it, it has an origin, and usually a solid one. Or sometimes it could be fear and emotions, but that's what you need to differentiate, right? It is there for a reason. Yes. And I think this kind of leads into temperance, the last one. Uh, for me, this is the most important one. I think this is actually what made me interested in stoicism, because it's not saying just be good. It's saying be in balance. That means... How brave are you? Are you so brave that you're going to screw up the decision because you're so brave or you think you're so smart mm -hmm. or you're relying too heavily? For me, that's really interesting. And I'm the type of person that's not a goody two-shoes, but I also know my limits sometimes. <laughs> the point is like, because I understand that there should be a balance, but I think if you think about this deeper, what does balance even mean? I think there's something towards... A uh, decision should be a win-win decision because a win-win will always have a better long-term result. I know there's some executives that their decisions are always like, I'm number one. I need to get more than the other person, than the other party. But I mean, that is a certain way, right? That's always much safer to make sure no matter what, you're going to get more. I think what this is saying is openly think about the other party. All right, Tom. That makes sense. Are you temperament or are you good at two shoes? Uh, no, I, I'm more uh, temperance. <laughs> well, maybe by saying that I'm not, but I consider myself quite moderate in my ideas. I don't believe in extremes. 
because that means you're attached to a certain idea and vision of something and then you don't want to be wrong more in the middle to be open to see different viewpoints like being in the balance is for me one of the values in my life like a bit of everything it's important to have a bit of everything and i don't watch news it's too crazy it's too emotional and mm -hmm. it's like anytime i'm looking at an editorial and i'm seeing it shifted in one direction i can't not ignore it like it's difficult so i think the summary on this is this is a good lens and sometimes they really do help you get rid of all the emotional baggage and just think about what is the meat of this conflict what are we mm -hmm. trying to solve when you need to change control or change your behavior you need first to have clarity and structure like how am I approaching this? Or you just do it by instinct, but that's not my style. I need to understand uh, on the conceptual level what it is. So it's good we went through it. Like justice, I repeat, bravery, wisdom, and temperance. And let's take concrete examples that are really hard business situations where there's no right or wrong answer in some situation. And whatever you do will have negative, positive consequences, and it will have short-term, mid-term, long-term effects. Really important decision. You mentioned it in an interview with Joachim as well. I was curious to ask about it, about moving your whole studio company. I don't know where it was based, to Portugal. Could you share this situation and how was the decision-making process using your framework and how did you approach it, basically? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like, this is last year. is a very difficult mm -hmm. year. And a lot of the temperance that I got from looking at these philosophies really made me sane. Like it made me survive it. And I think it's like, once it was all over, I think I took like a mental break for a few months. So what was happening is original games had a very big presence in Russia and this war started. The events unrolled much slower than if you're looking at coverage of the conflict. I'm not political at all. So I'm just ignoring all that. I think our investor called up and he's like, Arsene, business is not as usual. <laughs> You have to look at the situation and take everything seriously because it could unwind like pretty badly and look at your peers. Some of them are not doing anything, but others are just like, they're out. And then, you know, exactly as that conversation happened, you start looking at companies like Miro that were based in, in what, in Eastern Russia, they just took 400 people and just left. So there's a lot of issues. We're a small company. Relocating is very difficult. I didn't sign up to be a tax and immigration lawyer. Like you couldn't forecast if they were going to shut the borders down, were they going to do like a draft, like banks stopped working? I don't know if the internet even works anymore. I think it does there, but all of this stuff was happening and it's difficult to forecast and it's very easy to fall into these emotions where like, oh my God, I just bought my dream apartment. Why do I have to leave? Maybe we can fake it. You know, It's an unpredictable situation that a merge game company is not the best suited to do. So we started thinking, okay, where can we move that's realistically, we're not going to screw everything up? And then how can we sell this to our team? And by the way, we had everybody move out of Russia. So all good. That's great. <laughs> so we had a chart, Berlin, Paris, London, Helsinki, Barcelona, Lisbon. We immediately made decisions not to break the balance of it being Europe. Like we should probably stay in Europe. When you say we, who was we? It's the co-founders are making these decisions. But I think ultimately as the CEO and the most aggressive crazy person, I wanted a decision quickly mm -hmm. and quickly being a few months because I like to make a decision and stick to it, even if it's a bad decision. 
at least have a direction and then we can fix all the dumb pieces. And in a situation like this, I know that we would make a lot of bad decisions because things would be happening quickly. And that's okay. I think we were ready for that. The issue is that the founders were beating around the bush and I was adding to the stress where it's like, no, no one can make a decision. So I kind of very curtly just said, okay, it, ha it has to be Portugal. So it's like outside the commercial reasons, this is where kind of this framework may be helpful. So I don't feel that it's just to require everyone to move to a place that has a poor standard of living mm -hmm. or that a place that's very far. I had enough contacts and enough friends that I trusted that did establish kind of commercial entities here. So I, I kind of leveraged their stories and I used my gut feeling on like, is this real? <laughs> like, is this going to happen to us? If what they say is 50% wrong, are we, is it still good? <laughs> it was things like that. I'd like to comment on some things you've shared here, because the way I was curious about the case, it's indeed uh, you had options you could have spent the time to evaluate. So it's good to know as well in the time frame, like it was month, which I thought was reasonable. It could have been hours, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's maybe waiting a few days to make that kind of decision. But, you know, months, is, it seems reasonable for such a big decision. You had options and you are several decision makers. The cost of indecision when it impacts people's lives, it's to not postpone to too long indecision and accepting along the way that's maybe not the perfect decision and is there any way a perfect decision? But the cost of indecision is much higher. And then the cost of fixing those mistakes by taking this decision is manageable. And I guess you've made that evaluation when you chose Portugal. That's a great point. Everything sounds reasonable, but I think it's about how you position the compartments in your head to make those decisions. Because I'm not making this decision because I want to be brave, but I think it's like, we have to jump into something. We can't be indecisive. We don't have the time to go through every little thing. So you have to understand what is the worst thing that can happen and, and is that manageable? We had some legal help. I asked them to just give me enough information that I can think through what is the worst that can happen. And emotionally for you, were you in a place that you could have back to the clarity, this temperance to be able to make a decision that you trusted yourself? I was not in any poor mental state at all. And I don't know if that's because I'm an idiot or I'm just used to <laughs> I'm just used to making these decisions about uprooting a lot of people. So it was about 20 people yeah. that I ended up moving, plus their families. How do you feel about that decision you made when you didn't have all the information you have today? The biggest thing that I didn't think about, which is just a problem I have, is like I usually don't think about other people's emotions. And not everyone or employees or staff are used to a major change like this. But overall, if you look at the other options, this was still the best decision. How do we factor in the emotions of others in decisions we make? You say that you usually don't factor it. Well, from my understanding, it's emotions. It's not like you can remove them, right? So you're not trying to punish yourself because you feel things. You cannot control them. I think that's here the principle, the premise that we started from. You have your emotions, but what do you do with them? That's the main things, right? So there's your own management and then how you relate to others based on your own philosophy, right? So I don't know if you discard your emotion, but for me, I used to suppress them. It's like, oh no, I cannot make a clear decision, so I should not feel anything. But right now it's letting it be. So it's not ignoring it. Okay, I feel angry. 
And I read that actually in the Daily Stoic. You are angry of being angry or you're sad of being sad. So you have the emotion of the emotion. So you can just stop at the level and acknowledging it. And I have the same philosophy when it comes to others and how do I factor emotions of others in decisions that will impact them or displease them. I should not ignore it. It's your right to be upset. It's your right to be unhappy, sad, whatever is the emotion. So I will acknowledge it. But I made my decision. And this is where we come back to, like, how do we use empathy in business? Because you can look at it with the lens you want, like on a human level, like that's a value for me commercially. The thing is, if people are accepting more of a change and they feel better, faster, then they go back to work in the normal state faster, right? So, and what can happen when it's being brushed off the fact that they're sad, upset, or stressed of moving from a country to another. It feels like it's been not acknowledged and that it's taken for granted and then they can be a resentment. And so it takes some time to get over that. So that's also my kind of business thinking, but at the same time, understanding the human level, I understand. I understand, but I can explain the reasoning. I'm listening and we need to move forward. And that can speed up the process. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we ended up just covering most of the moving costs. But again, that's a commercial decision. Mm-hmm. I recently looked into getting everybody kind of psychiatry help, but then I saw the bill and I was like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> it's very difficult to factor. Like, how important is empathy? I guess that's the question. And it's a messy question. It's not a factor in the decision, but it's something to be aware of at the things you will have to manage. Yeah. We had to part ways with a founder and... I'm looking at this written down and it almost feels like it should be much more emotional than a practical kind of business mm-hmm. decision. But in the end, it was a hundred percent a business decision. How did that go for that example for you? Was that the right way to approach it looking back or uh, now that we are trying to incorporate emotions in the whole mix? Initially, you know, there's a conflict working with this guy and I said, okay, I'm a dickhead. That guy's a dickhead. Let's ignore that. <laughs> like, is it just, is it correct that I'm doing all this stuff, making all these decisions, and then it's completely unbalanced, all this stuff. And I talked with advisors and the other founders, and it's like, are you also seeing the same thing where there's this like unbalanced piece? And is that okay? Like, and if it's not just, is every conversation just going to turn into, Hey, I spent six hours on this and you know, you just gave to give me your opinion. Like Mm. all of that boils up and it stacks up. And we even hired like a business coach to try to figure out, you know, is it just arson is crazy or is there actually a problem? And it just boils down, I think, to somebody posted on LinkedIn. It's like, are you a founder pretending to be a founder? And Mm. I think that's what it was. It's like the just the skills weren't there. Well, I guess when you have fact, and this is where it goes back to the common language, this is where you not necessarily agree, but have the same level of conversation. And the challenge in this situation where you need to separate with a partner, a business partner, if it gets on an emotional level, it's not anymore objective on things you can observe that has happened, right? And this is really hard to settle an agreement and (laughs) not something you want either with a business partner. The actions that led to that discussion weren't mine. I wasn't brave enough. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And it was interesting that it was once you take that step, everything unravels and everything ends quick and easy. So again, if you take out emotions and you just think about your actions, everything kind of makes sense. 
everything makes sense yeah. and it's a sound decision and you have no regret about mm. it and you never think to talk about it again and it's like everything yeah. worked out when you are the main decision maker or something because when you have to agree align with someone like which is not an advice set up when you are 50-50 on everything because uh, I don't believe in agreeing all the time it's good to have a decision maker per area the caveat of this way of working and thinking is when the other party is operating on a completely different model, which is emotional, for example. You can act the way you want and compose and make things just, but if you don't have a person consenting to whatever the way you're doing, it doesn't matter, right? But it's back to the only thing you can control is yourself, a decision you can make in your area and how it impacts others. But I find it harder when you are depending on another sometimes who's not thinking that way. The best thing to do is to work with people that think like you. And in my experience, that's so much better. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like you run into this kind of tunnel vision. You're in a box because all the people around you are also in that same box. But again, it's like if you don't have trust between all these parties, it's not going to work. If there was a playbook on how you should handle moving a whole studio or parting way with your partner, we would all apply the same, but we are humans with our own complexity, yes. perception of the world. And I think that's what it is at the end of the day. But we can use a framework for ourselves and how we make decisions. And you shared yours today. A few last words from you on how you started it. What can you suggest to read, to do, to talk to <laughs> for people who want to be more stoic in their decision making? In my days in the Finnish military, when I smoked weed <laughs> in a field, that's my first Nishka joke. Okay, second joke. <laughs> <laughs> in uh, Stanley Kubrick's famous military drama, Full Metal Jacket, Animal Mother <laughs> is a good stoic character. Okay, that's that, those are the Mishka jokes I was supposed to say during the hour, but I missed them. But anyway, so I really recommend if you're a person who likes to think to themselves or if you'd like to have deeper conversations with others, you may be open to looking at philosophy as a way of how other people have thought about this for thousands of years. I would recommend if you want to learn more about Stoicism, just look up like philosophy overviews. Like Coursera has like free philosophy classes, but that's going to be like weeks of what is. <laughs> and if you don't have the time for that, a shortcut of getting to understanding, okay, like existentialism is something I'm interested in. It's, it's an interesting point of view. So the way I got into that was there's podcasts where a philosophy student or a philosophy professor would just go through like, these are the important people in this, and then you can follow up. So for me, existentialism, stoicism, and ancient Buddhism was really cool. Like there's a novel called Siddhartha and it covers Buddhism-ish, but it's a story. And then got me into that. And ancient Buddhism has also some interesting pillars. I think there's eight. And then stoicism, specifically meditations by Marcus Aurelius. There's a modern translation that again, like a normal person can read. It's like a hundred pages, quick read. And then there's Seneca. Those texts are much more difficult to read and you're going to need a, a good extension span. It's worth digging into if you're interested. Well, thanks for the whole list, Arsenio. There are some that I haven't read yet. So, But I appreciate as well, like more executive, like successful, like you as well, like building companies, growing the company, moving them from country to another. We see most of the time the surface of whatever is a success in the press. And I think it's really important as well to understand how people like you think and where it comes from. So I'm happy that we had the chance to talk about it today because those things are not just the Elon Musk story and I was born this way, but it's something you nurture and you educate yourself oh, all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
All right, cool. Thanks for the time. And, you know, I'm on LinkedIn if anyone wants to tell me that I'm a dummy or whatever. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> I feel like I'm talking to Mishka. You guys are, I know why you are friends. Like, you have like, really similar things. Like, Wait, I gotta, I gotta do the third one. Oh, yeah, we're having a great conversation here. Oh. <laughs> Got it? All right. Like, like little note for Mishka. <laughs> thank you, yeah, too, too, too little. Okay, thank you. Take care. Thanks for listening to this latest episode of the Rise and Play podcast. I am trying to grow a community of conscious leaders across the industry and beyond. So if you want to join this movement, please share the podcast with other conscious leaders because we have so much more we can learn from each other. Also, please don't forget to follow the show so you don't miss out on future content. Every episode is packed with actionable insights that will help you improve your leadership skills now. And if you are interested in learning more on the topics that we discussed today, you can find more insights on riseandplay.io and there you will also find my free masterclass on conscious leadership. So have a great week and until the next time. <laughs>